What's up, junior high students? I was doing some organizing this week and I found my old fountain pens. I used to use them all the time at school when I wasn't using technology like computers, I was using pen and paper, I was using these guys. And I want you to think, I want you to imagine, what would this lockdown and quarantine be like if we were not using any technology? If the only way we could communicate back and forth with these sermons and with you and your friends and with small groups would be with pen and paper. And while that's hard for us to imagine, that was the reality for many people for hundreds and hundreds of years, including the Apostle Paul and the Philippians. And today, we're going to finish the book of Philippians, and oftentimes we think about it like a book. But really, what it was was a letter. It was a letter written down by a guy to all of his friends that lived in this city that was far away. So, um, in the spirit of the fountain pens, um, for one last time, turn to the book of Philippians. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. I really did this so that I could show off my the colors I have. It's cool. I have like a red one, green one. Anyway, um, you don't need that. But turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. This is the last sermon from this small book, and it's actually taken us all year. We've been doing this since September. I think it's a sermon number 20-something in the book of Philippians, but we're going to look at the final greetings. And I know that this is the part where maybe if you're reading in your Bible, this is the part you kind of glance over and you skip over and you just read, but I want you to catch what Paul is doing. And I think there's some application here for what we're going through right now with being separated from one another. So check out verse uh, 21. This is Philippians 4, 21. It says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you, and all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Now, that is the conclusion to a letter, and it's really helpful to kind of humanize what's going on here, that this letter was a letter from Paul to his friends in Philippi, but there's something that he gets at. He is trying to greet these saints. He's trying to show his love for these people, some of whom he knows and some of whom he doesn't know, but he's expressing his love verbally. I know he's not talking to them, but he is writing to them. And I think that's a helpful reminder for us. What we want to talk about today, the last spiritual superpower is love. What Paul does here is he expresses his love for these people. And while we're separated, we should aim to express our love for one another as well. So You've got two points on your worksheet. The first one, I want you to understand something that's going on here. He keeps using this word saint, okay? He actually, he doesn't use it very much in the book. He just uses it at the beginning and the end of this book. But I want you to understand what it means. So first of all, he says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. So greet every saint, every person who's a saint. Now you might be thinking, well, that's convenient because there's probably only one or two saints there because saints are just the really high-ranking, important Christians. That's actually not the case. The Bible shows us that anyone who's a holy one, which that's what the word saint means, anybody who's a Christian who's been made holy by Jesus, they're a saint. So what he's saying is, greet every Christian that's there with you, which I'm sure he knows a lot of them. In some of his books, he lists out the Christians that he knows. Like in the book of Romans, he had never been to Rome at that point, um, but he lists a lot of the Christians that he knew that lived in Rome. So he does that. He doesn't do that here. All he does is he says, greet every saint. What that means is individually. Greet each one of them individually. It says, all the brothers who are with me greet you. So the people that I'm representing through this letter, the Roman Christians, and that's where Paul is when he's writing Philippians. He's in Rome. He's saying, they're all saying, hi, bye, greetings to you. And also, especially those of Caesar's household. So the people who worked 
in the the emperor's you know house that's crazy like these servants of the emperor he says even those people the christians there they greet you also so he keeps using this word saint 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 i want to talk about that word first of all so write this down for point number one i want you to understand your connections as a saint understand your connections as a saint so first of all you've got paul who's connected to these people and it makes sense that paul's a saint and you know even people they call paul saint paul right but if your name is paul which i actually don't know if anybody in junior high is named paul so it probably doesn't apply to you but if your name is paul and if you're a christian you are saint paul right if your name is john which that's my name right you if you're a christian you are saint john right we usually don't call each other that that probably freaks some people out but why are we saints we're saints because god has made us holy you see that earlier in the book remember uh, philippians 3 8 Philippians 3 8 look what he says this is Paul talking he says indeed I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and being found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in Christ the righteousness from God that depends on faith what he's saying right there is he has a righteousness that comes from God, specifically from Jesus. It comes from God, and it's not based on what he's done. And it's a righteousness, which if you understand that term, righteous means to be holy. He's saying, I've been made holy by Jesus. I've been made holy. That means I'm a saint. Same thing is true for every single person who's repented of their sins and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. They're a saint. So he says, as saints, we have connections. First of all, Paul has connections with these Philippians, and he knows a lot of them. So you might say, well, of course he's got connections. He knows them, but he doesn't know all of them, does he? He doesn't know every single Christian that's in Philippi. Certainly people have become Christians since Paul's left. So he doesn't know every person, but he has a connection. He has a connection, and so do uh, the, the Christians that are in Rome. They have a connection. How many of them know the Christians in Philippi? Probably not that many. Right? especially those of Caesar's household, how many of them know the Philippian Christians? I would think even less. Here's what I'm getting at. These Christians who live in different places have a connection and they're connected simply because they are connected to Jesus Christ. And that's one of the biggest connections we talk about. What are your connections as a saint? Well, first of all, we're connected to each other. I think that's very simple, but we're also connected to Christ. And that's really the reason we're connected to each other. Here's what 1 John chapter 1, verse 3 says. It says, That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, that you too may have fellowship with us. That means to have commonality, to have sharing together. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So our connection together is based on our connection to God, who's connected to Jesus. So if you're you know, mapping out these connections, there are a lot of connections, but you basically got the Father and the Son who are connected and God allows us into that relationship. So we kind of are in the mix, the fellowship mix. It's like if you're walking up on a conversation between two people and you kind of step in and you start talking and you're a part of the conversation now. It says every Christian has come into that conversation with the Father and the Son and now we have fellowship with each other because we have fellowship with the Father and with the Son. Here's what verse 4 says. This is uh, 1 John 1, 4. It says, And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. He's saying this is a good thing because the fact that we're connected to the Father and the Son means we're connected to each other. And all of those connections bring us joy. 
All those relationships are a good thing for us. If you're a saint, if you're a Christian, you are connected to the Father, you're connected to the Son, and you're connected with every single Christian because you're connected to Christ. Here's what Galatians 3 says. It explains it even further. It says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That means if you've been placed into Christ through a relationship with him, um, you belong to him. Verse 28, it's a pretty famous verse. It says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There's neither, there's no male or female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you're Christ's, then you're Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. He basically says, if you're a Christian, you're in one body, you're together. And I know there's distinctions. There's, there's obviously distinctions between male and female, slave and free, uh, Jew and Greek. There's totally distinctions. But here's the idea, that in Christ, we are all one. We have equal footing with Christ. We're all together with Christ. And he says, when you're with Christ, you're actually Abraham's offspring. Figuratively, you belong to Abraham's family. And the reason that's important is because Abraham's family um, were descendants and they got this inheritance. What this says is, we are heirs according to promise. If we're related to Jesus, then you're important. I know that sounds crazy, but you're really important. No, not to insult you, but it's crazy how important people who are connected to Jesus are. Um, so if we talk about us you know, not fitting in and not being important, just realize that if you're in Christ, you have some serious connections. And sometimes when you talk about famous people or important people, you think, I'm important if I'm connected to important people. And if I don't know anybody, um, then I guess I'm not that important. Well, if you're a Christian, you know the most important person and you're connected in the most important body of people, the church. So it's super important that we understand our connections to one another. Um, and Paul understood it and the Roman Christians understood it and the Philippians understood it. And that's why they loved each other so much. And honestly, our connection with Christ is the thing that should motivate us to be connected with one another with love, right? We should love Christ because Christ loved us. And if Christ loved us, we should love each other. And that's, that's not just a suggestion. That's what the Bible tells us. We looked at a passage last week that talked about um, in 1 John 3 about us loving one another and putting each other first and, and dying to ourselves and sacrificing for one another. It's so important that we do that because we're connected to each other through Christ. So Paul's connected with all these Philippians and the Roman Christians are connected to them too. And the problem for them was they were separated, right? Paul's connected. They have this relationship, even though he doesn't know everybody, they still have this tight knit relationship because of Jesus, but they're separated. Paul was in jail. He was locked down, literally. Um, he was locked down. And these Christians were in Philippi. How could they be connected? Well, what he does is he expresses his love to them. But how does he do that? He doesn't send them a text message. He doesn't um, FaceTime them. He doesn't Zoom them. Maybe he would. I don't know how Paul would use Zoom. He'd probably get on Zoom with a lot of people. But he communicates his love to them. Right? And that's what I want to get at. Secondly, have you communicated your love to other Christians? Because Ultimately, you have more power to do that than Paul did. Crazy to say, but you do. You have more technology, you have more means, and you've got so many more ways that you can communicate your love to one another. So that's my question. Have you been doing that? Have you been communicating love to other people? That's point number two. I want you to write this down. Verbalize your love for others. Verbalize your love for others. And usually when we think of verbalize, we think we should talk. Super important. But there's also ways that you can verbalize, which just means to put into words your love. 
Paul did it right here. He verbalizes his love. He tells them, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. He says, I want you to be thinking about the grace of Jesus, and I want that to be with your spirit. I want you to be at peace, like he talked about before. He says, I want you to have joy, because you're thinking about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a passage we quoted last week, but I want to quote it again. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 literally defines the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what Paul says there. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. That's helpful. When you're talking about encouraging and verbalizing your love to other Christians, that's a great place to start. You can start by talking about the love that we've been shown through Jesus. You could talk about Jesus himself. You could communicate your love in that way by talking about God's word together. Super important. So um, Paul did it through letter. He would have probably loved to do it face to face, but he did it through a letter. How can you do it? How can you express and verbalize love to other Christians? I know that you live at home and most of you live at home with some Christians and you live at home with people who also trust and believe in Jesus. You can see them face to face. So that's a good place to start. How, how you, or how could you verbalize your love for the Christians in your home? You could tell them, I love you. You could um, talk to them. You could um, encourage them. You could do a lot of things that we've already mentioned, but you could do that face to face with the people in your home. Uh, what about the people who are far away, right? You could write a letter if you wanted to, if you wanted to you know, use a cool fountain pen or something, uh, you could write a letter. If that's encouraging to someone you know, that'd be a great thing to do. You could call people, you could text people, you could jump on Zoom chats, um, you could encourage each other on the DBR group chats that we have going. And if you're not on one of those, make sure you talk to your leader because we'd love for you to join that group. There's so many groups and so many ways you can be connected and we just want you to stay connected because we're far apart. It's crazy, but this morning when I woke up, Alexandra was on her phone, so she wakes up earlier than me a little bit. She's on her phone and she was watching a video of the Incredibles coaster from uh, California Adventure. I used to know that as a California screaming, but I guess they changed it. And it's funny because I wake up and I like hear the Incredibles song. I'm like, what's going on? And I like I turn over. I'm like, what's go? What are you? What are you watching? You know, my my eyes are all like foggy. I'm not even wearing my glasses. I wake up and I turn over, and she's watching on her phone this um, <laughs> this video of the Incredibles coaster. It had the music and it had the whole view of being there and making all the turns and the loop and all that stuff. And it was actually kind of cool. I was just waking up, so it was my first memory of the day. Uh, but I was thinking about it. I thought that's kind of like what it is to be separated. You know, we can do videos, we can send messages, we can write letters, we can do all those things. And that's cool, but it's not the same as having a Disneyland pass. If I told you, you could watch all of the roller coasters right now on your TV, instead of going to Disneyland for the rest of your life, what would you say? You'd say, no, I wanna be there. It's a totally different experience riding a roller coaster by watching it on your phone than it is sitting in the seat, feeling the G-force, doing the loop, doing all that stuff. It's a totally different experience. And the same thing is true for communicating. I know we wanna be super excited about communicating digitally, but ultimately I want you to remember that that is not what you were made for. You were not made to communicate exclusively on digital platforms. You are made to see one another face-to-face. -face. We are made for communication face-to-face. -face. We're made to talk. And the reason I know that is in the New Testament, when John was finishing one of his letters, he's about to end his letter, he says this, I had much to write to you, but I would not rather write with pen and ink. He says, I've got a lot to talk about, but you know what? I don't wanna, I wanna save some of that. I don't wanna write it all down. 
says, I hope to see you soon that we may talk face to face. Ultimately, that's better. So when we start thinking about communicating and, and, and relating to one another, just know that the text messages are great and the Zoom calls are great and all that stuff is great, but that is not what we were ultimately made for. We were made to be with each other face to face. And the Bible says that one day we'll live with one another face to face and we'll interact in this perfect kingdom that Jesus is setting up where he's the king and we'll live there in harmony with one another where there's no fights, there's no quarrels, there's no gossip, all that will be done. That's ultimately what we are made for. But just as we're communicating digitally, I just want you to remember, um, don't get used to it. This is not the normal. This is not what we should get used to. Only seeing each other on Zoom and on screens. We're made to interact face-to-face. So I know there's a lot that uh, I would love to say about the book of Philippians. I know that I have said a lot. You're like, John, you've probably talked too much about Philippians. You've spent all year talking about it. But I really am excited to see you guys face-to-face when we can get back together and you know, maybe do something called TNN or grad night or eighth grade farewell, uh, maybe even a thing called re- revival. Um, I'm excited to do all those things with you. And I know that those are reserved for face-to-face. So I miss you guys. And um, thank you for studying the book of Philippians with me. And I hope that you have gained a lot through it by um, understanding the Apostle Paul better and understanding what it means to be a real Christian, what it means to serve one another, what it means to be humble, what it means to share the gospel. And we've talked about all those things this year. So it was a really good time with you guys. This is not how I envisioned us ending it, but I want to end it the same way the apostle John said it, that he's got a lot to say, but he'd rather say it in person um, without pen and ink. He'd rather say it face to face. And I'd rather see you guys face to face too. So um, let's pray together real quick before we jump off. Um, Let's pray that God would help us apply what we've learned all year from the book of Philippians. Let's pray. God, we're appreciative of your word in every way. I just want to thank you for the ability to study it in an in-depth way. I know that so many people have gone before us and um, have mined the Bible and found so many great insights and um, sought to understand your word. And I thank you for these students, many of whom this is the first book they've ever gone through, especially those seventh graders that I'm thinking about. I just um, thank you for their willingness to learn one book in depth. I thank you for all that you've taught us this year. I pray that this investment that you've made in our hearts through your word would not go to waste. We trust that it won't. We know your word says that your word will go out and it won't return empty. It's going to accomplish what its purpose is. So I pray that for us and in our lives, the book of Philippians, as we look back on it now, instead of looking forward to studying it, I pray that it would be beneficial and that you'd help us apply all the stuff that we've learned. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.